Creation, evolution, and the first book in the Bible, Genesis. How important are those things to today's Christian? Is creation a secondary issue? Well, whether you believe creation or evolution, does that impact the gospel at all? Those are the kinds of questions we'll be exploring this week on Creation Magazine Live. This is the audio podcast version of our TV show. Both of them are produced by Creation Ministries International. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Matt Bondi. This week, making sense of science, faith, and Genesis. Yes. Yeah, we'll dive into questions about whether different beliefs about origins have any impact on today's Christian and what Jesus did to save sinners. Uh, we need to start, though, by defining some terms to understand what the issue is really all about. Right, yeah. So, some say it's a battle between science and religion. That's very popular. And others say, well, it doesn't matter at all. I mean, that's for scientists to argue about. I just focus on Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely need to, to keep the focus on Jesus. Well, yes, of course. You know, He's our Savior. He's our Lord and King. And according to Scripture, Jesus is also the Creator. Ooh. Colossians 1, 16-18 says, For by Him, referring to Jesus here, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And also in John 1, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then verse, drop down to verse 14, and we discover who the Word is. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the creator. Right. And so Jesus' existence didn't start as a baby in Bethlehem. Right. Jesus is the creator, so as we focus on Christ as creator, let's try to wrap our heads around what the origins debate is all about. I mean, is it really science versus religion as it's often portrayed? Uh, well, what are some of the features of science? And most of you can probably remember this from your science class, right? Uh, you know, science involves, among other things, making observations in a lab uh, or, or out in the field, uh, often using a variety of tools. It also involves repeatability. You know, you do an experiment and anyone who does the same experiment, yeah. they, they should get the same results. Yes, yeah. But given those requirements, neither creation nor evolution fit the bill. Have, have any of you observed God creating? Or, or, or did you observe ape-like creatures evolving into people over millions of years? No one observed those things. No, and they can't be repeated either. I, I mean, God created once. You know, we don't see him today creating the universe again, right. for example. Yeah. Uh, and no one lives long enough to see molecules evolve into microbiologists either. Uh, these are one-time processes that happened in the past, or, well, didn't happen in the case of evolution. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that means any account of origins, creation or evolution, is primarily a historical account, not a scientific one. At a foundational level, the creation-evolution issue, there are two conflicting historical accounts about how we all got here. Okay, but what about all the uh, geology and astronomy and paleontology uh, right. that's often associated with the origins debate? Yeah. Well, those are certainly sciences, but those scientific disciplines share a lot in common with forensic science that involves a mixture of science and history. Yes, but it's at that level of history where the debate happens. N nobody debates the science, the observations. 
Like in, in forensic science, the science part is they dust for fingerprints. They collect DNA samples. They hear some drops of blood on the floor there, and, and there's, a, there's a knife there, and there's some muddy shoe prints running out the door. Yeah, and once the data is collected, a story or history uh, is made up that attempts to link all the observations together to draw a conclusion. Uh, and there could be many different stories or histories uh, invented using the, exactly the same data. You know, like the butler did it or, or, or the maid did it. <laughs> right, yes, that's the murder mystery, right? right? Creation and evolution are similar in that way. Both of those histories are trying to tell us about how, we, how, how everything that we see around us came to be the way we find it. Either God created and there was a global flood that reshaped his creation, or everything is the product of millions of years without any supernatural in intervention. Yeah. Now, the thing to remember is one of those stories is wrong. Uh, they can't yes. both be true. You know, either God created the way he told us, or, you know, he didn't. Or he didn't, yeah. <laughs> one of the things we need to be very sure about is that we understand the genre or the literary style of Genesis. Yes. There are different types of literature in the Bible. There's poetry, as in the Psalms. There are parables. Jesus used those to, uh, you know, teaching tools. Uh, there's prophecy, as in the books of the last section of the Old Testament, Isaiah to Malachi. There are letters, as in the New Testament, epistles written by Paul, Peter, John, and the others. Uh, there's biography, as in the Gospels. And there's also autobiography, like in the books of Acts, where the author Luke is recording events that he is participating in. And then there's historical records, as in the books of the First and Second Kings, and many other books of the Bible that contain accounts of events that actually took place, like the birth, life, death, and physical resurrection of Christ, for example. That's right. So what's Genesis? If, if it's poetry or meant to be understood as some, some sort of a, like a metaphor, then perhaps the millions of years we hear so much about could just be a part of how God created. Mm -hmm. now, English poetry often features rhythm and rhyme. In other words, sound patterns. Those features are really hard to translate into another language. And the great thing about Hebrew poetry, like in the Psalms, is that it features different kinds of parallelism and, and, and a particular verb structure that translate well into other languages. Yeah, Hebrew scholar Dr. Stephen Boyd, whose PhD is Hebraic and Cognate Studies, uh, performs statistical comparisons of verb-type frequencies between historical and poetic Hebrew texts. And he came to the conclusion that Genesis 1 is clearly historical narrative not poetry, with a 99.997% probability. Okay, so not 50-50, not no, right? No. Not, well, maybe it's poetry, maybe it's describing no. real historical events, could go either way. No, pretty conclusive. Pretty conclusive, okay. So it's crystal clear that the author of Genesis was describing actual historical events. In fact, Dr. Boyd concluded, there is only one tenable view in its plain sense. God created everything in six literal days. And that's how Christian thinkers throughout the history of the church have understood Genesis. Uh, the early church fathers, the reformers, for example, even Orthodox Jews today understand that Genesis is history, yeah. not myth or poetry. Oxford Hebrew scholar, Professor James Barr said that as far as he knows, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who does not believe that the writers of Genesis 1 to 11 intended to convey to their readers the ideas that creation took place in a series of six days, the Genesis genealogies provided by simple addition present a chronology from the beginning of the world up to later stages in the biblical story, and Noah's flood was global. 
Okay, and Jesus and the apostles understood Genesis as real history as well. In fact, they quote Genesis as real history so often that you could reconstruct the main events of creation and the flood from the New Testament books alone. Yeah, and they base key Christian doctrines on those events. Right. Uh, Genesis means beginning or origin, and many key doctrines originate in Genesis, such as those listed here. I mean, Genesis is important. So at this point, panic is setting in, right? <laughs> it, it, since Genesis is a historical account, and if you read it, interpreting scripture with scripture, it's not really difficult to deduce that God created recently in six actual days, and we'll get into the age of the earth and the days in Genesis in more details in a couple of weeks here. But the question is, what do we do with science, <laughs> right? Doesn't science point to the earth being way older than the biblical history suggests? What <laughs> okay, panic okay. is setting in, Okay, right? take, take a deep breath, <laughs> calm down. The good news is we don't need to throw out any science. Science is good. Science is our friend. Yes. Remember what we said just a few minutes ago. No one argues about the observations, the science. The debate is all about the history that no one alive today observed. Except God. Oh, well, yeah, right, except God. God is alive today. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. good point. Okay, so, well, yes, God is alive today. So uh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Uh, no one who's alive today, except God, God, except God, has observed things from long ago because no one, except God, except God has observed this, right? the events in the past. And the past is what is being debated here in the creation evolution issue. It is, yeah. Let's look at an example. When paleontologists find a fossil, it doesn't come with a nice little label like this saying when it died or, or what it ate or how fast it ran. It's dead. It's not running anywhere, <laughs> eating anything. Okay. okay, so we have a mixture here of science and history. Yes. Uh, the fossil itself is a science. It's what can be observed, and no one debates the science. Look, it's a fossil, it's a rock. Yeah, yep. <laughs> no debate there, but just like in forensic science, what's debated is the history that isn't observed. Uh, did this animal really die 75 million years ago? Or 70 million years ago? Or 7,000 years, or maybe 700 years ago? Right, yeah. Well, that's open for debate. Scientific discoveries can sometimes give us clues as to which history is true, either biblical history or the millions of years history. And we'll do a few examples, you'll get the idea. Let's look at some scientific observations and try to figure out which history provides the best framework for understanding them. Okay, rivers are like freight trains, constantly moving land into the sea, eroding the continents. Now, given the current erosion rate, the continents should be eroded to sea level after only 10 million years. But evolutionary history says they're about two and a half billion years old. Which history fits best? Biblical history, Biblical history, right? That's the, see, I, I told you this would be fun. See, the Bible wins. Actually, in, in two and a half billion years, given the current erosion rates, a continent that began 150 kilometers tall would be eroded to sea level in that huge <laughs> amount of time. Wow. The evolutionary timeline just doesn't fit the data. Geologists who believe the Bible consider that the mountains and the continents we have today were formed as a consequence of the flood. Uh, the continents were uplifted at the end of the flood, and the incredible energy of the retreating floodwaters rapidly carved out the landscape. Right, so there's a scientific observation that supports the history recorded in Scripture, not millions of years. Okay, let's look at another scientific observation. Supernova remnants in our galaxy. A supernova remnant is uh, the leftover dust and gas that forms after a star has exploded. Now, the two competing histories give very different predictions for how many supernova remnants astronomers 
should find in the Milky Way. Yes, yeah. And the data supports <laughs> biblical history. Wow. The Bible wins again. The Milky Way is not billions of years old. This is fun, yeah, isn't this it? This is fun. It's great. And, and there are literally <laughs> hundreds of examples like this where the Bible's history provides by far the superior framework for understanding the observational data from science. That's right. Science supports scripture. It's, it's great. Let's consider one more. Canyon formation. Have you visited a beautiful canyon? If you have, you've likely been told that it's the result of long processes of river erosion, that kind of thing. You've, you've been given one perspective, one history to explain the canyon, and it's not the one in the Bible. No, the Bible describes a global flood. And at the end of the flood, the water rushed off the continents, producing massive erosion, erosion capable of producing canyons like the Grand Canyon. The Bible's history, once again, provides the best framework for understanding canyon formation. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk in much more detail about what the flood could have accomplished geologically in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is just a hint to get you thinking about the importance of the flood and what it did to the surface of the planet in a very short time. Right, yeah. Okay, now what about the gospel? Does interpreting Genesis in different ways impact the central teachings of Christianity? Absolutely. And to, to illustrate that, consider this question. Where, does, where do you put the fossils? Where do the fossils fit? Where in biblical history was the fossil record established? Let's do a, a walkthrough of some key events in the history of the universe and consider the different options for where the fossils fit. Okay, God creates in six days. And uh, yes, we'll talk more about the different meanings of the word day in detail three weeks from now when we look at uh, the age of the earth debate. Right. Uh, but at the end of creation week, God calls his creation very good. Now, that's a key point. And another one is when Adam and Eve sinned, they ate the fruit, they were told not to. And it was at that point that creation went from very good to more like what we see today. Yes, today there's both moral evil, that's evil people doing evil things, and, and all of us contribute to that sadly because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But there's also natural evil, earthquakes, hurricanes, mudslides, drought, famine, diseases like cancer that, that cause pain mm -hmm. and, and kill people. This is not the very good world that God created. This is the very good world that has been cursed. Big difference. Yeah, those things uh, didn't exist in the very good world. Uh, before sin, Adam and Eve didn't need to worry about diseases or being buried in mudslides or attacked by wild animals or venomous snakes. Yeah. You know, in Genesis 1.29, they were commanded to eat plants. And in verse 30, the animals were too. So there was no carnivorous activity in the very good world. No bloodshed whatsoever, actually. Yeah, and, and the Bible refers to death as an enemy mm -hmm. that will be destroyed. In, in Revelation 21, we read that the curse on creation will one day be removed. There will be a, a restoration of sorts back to a world where there's no death, mourning, crying, or pain. Okay, so the next major event is the flood that totally reshaped the surface of the earth mm -hmm. and rebooted human population from the eight people who were on the ark. Uh, so there's a snippet of the early history of the earth from the Bible. Here are some things scientists have discovered in the fossil record. It's, of course, a record of dead things, dead plants and animals. It's also a record of pain, diseases, extinction, carnivorous activity. There are fossil thorns and there are fossil humans. Well, clearly those things are the result of the curse on creation. So where do they fit in? They fit here. The flood is a great mechanism to rapidly bury plants and animals after Adam's sin. That's right. It all fits. There are fossil thorns. Clearly thorns weren't a part of the very good world, uh, but a result of the curse. Yes. Yeah. Here's a picture of a T-Rex tooth embedded between two vertebrae of a hadosaur. Ouch. Oh, 
<laughs> of course, that must have happened after Adam sinned and not before. Not in the very good world, right. yeah. And, and obviously, the fossil record is a record of death, mm. along with all these other bad things. But biblically, death was the result of sin. When Adam sinned, God said, Adam, you're going to die. I made you from dust, you're going to go back to dust. Physical death was a result of sin, as it says in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, now this is an important part of the gospel, isn't it? It is, yeah. Physical death resulted from the first Adam's sin. Then Jesus, who is nicknamed the last Adam, mm -hmm. pays the price of physical death to redeem us from sin. Yes. Physical death is required to pay for sins. As Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And with the fossil record established at the flood, it works. Yes. It's great. But, but... We've all heard that the fossil record took millions of years to form, right? You can't even make a fossil quickly. If that's the case, then the fossils would need to fit here. But okay, you can see the problems with that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it puts death, pain, and disease long before Adam sinned. Doesn't work. Which was actually only a few thousand years ago during the time when God referred to his creation as very good. Yeah. See, this is the picture you end up with. Can God call things in the fossil record like violent death and pain, diseases like osteoporosis, TB, and cancer, very good? <laughs> I mean, that makes no sense. It makes no sense, yeah. If we go with this, we're forced to reinterpret God's declaration of very good. That, that needs to go. That doesn't make any sense at that point. We also end up breaking the link between Adam's sin and its penalty, death. Adam's sin really didn't do much. It didn't result in death, since death is all, was already there. And the global flood needs to go too, or, or it needs to be reinterpreted as some kind of a little flood, local flood, because it can't be global, because a global flood at that point would have ripped up all the fossils and redeposited them. Mm. Doesn't work. Okay, what about the last one? Well, that's the central event in Christianity on which our faith is based. Yes. But if we blend the millions of years into biblical history, that is, if the fossils really are millions of years old, then death is not the penalty for sin. Since death has always been around, so then Jesus didn't die to pay for our sins. Yeah, and that's how, by adding millions of years into the Bible, you end up destroying the central teaching of Christianity. This is not a side no, issue. No, it's not. <laughs> Any temptation to alter the history in Genesis by adding in millions of years, if you follow the logic through, as we've done here very briefly in the last five minutes, you end up with the destruction of Christianity. As you can see, this issue is not a side issue. Genesis is the foundation for the gospel and what Christ did on the cross, which is central to Christianity. Teaching on the evidences for biblical creation is proven to have a dramatic positive impact on teens, college and university students, and adults. Yeah, our U.S. office interviewed many college students who had a church background and a clear pattern was revealed. Here's a short clip of some of the interviews. Creation or evolution, which do you believe? Um, I'd probably have to say evolution. Evolution? Uh, evolution. Is there any powerful argument that makes you think evolution is true that causes that confusion? Um, I think the studies that have been done on uh, apes and monkeys are pretty compelling. I think that the you know, genetic sequence can change over time, over millions and billions of years. Uh, mostly fossil records and just databases of really just the fossil records. 
In your church background, were you ever exposed to any scientific evidence for creation by your church leaders, pastors, anything like that? Definitely not. Nothing in particular, no. Uh, no, I don't believe so. Do you uh, still attend church today or not anymore? Um, only for holidays. We kind of stopped going together as a family. but. Did your church leaders, student leaders, bring in any creation teaching that showed you there was scientific evidence to support the Bible's account of creation? Uh, yes. Yeah, we learned a lot about different um, creationist scientists and the proof of young earth creationism. What are you studying now? Biology. Biology, right. Steeped in evolution. So, uh, But you're not convinced by the evolutionary arguments in your biology classes? No. Still attend church today? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, every Sunday. Would it be fair to say then that being able to discuss creation openly at church uh, has helped strengthen you in that area, prepare you uh, for what you've learned here at college about evolution? Yes. Isn't that incredible? Remember, all the students interviewed grew up in the church, but only those who were presented with evidence supporting Genesis creation continued to attend church. Yeah, but is it really that amazing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe not. It sort of seems yeah. like a no-brainer that if you teach teens the evidence for the accuracy of the Bible, they'll continue to believe the Bible. Right, yeah. Even when they're bombarded with evolution right. in millions of years and atheism and humanism and all the rest of it, when they're in their 20s and beyond. When they're given that information in the church as they grow up or from their parents, wonderful. God yeah. commands us in His Word to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. A believer must understand what he believes and why and be able to articulate those beliefs humbly and thoughtfully yeah, right. to non-believers. Yeah, and people who can do that will obviously be more solid in their faith than those who can't. Of course. I mean, yeah. those people who've watched this TV show over the years and have studied the biblical and scientific evidence that uh, this show presents, they send in testimonials uh, like this one. He says, I can speak from experience, raised a Christian, then left it when I was led to believe Genesis couldn't be trusted, Yeah, evolution and etc. Hence, logically, the whole Bible couldn't be. Yeah, yeah. It was great when I learned it actually was true and could be trusted completely. Thanks to CMI and others, a lot of research and God. Now my faith is so much more solid. Wonderful. Great testimony. Christianity is based on history. The theology of Christianity is tied to events that include a perfect creation with no sin, suffering, disease, or death. Adam's sin, which, which brought in a curse on creation and spiritual separation from God, if those events didn't actually happen, then Christianity falls apart. Yeah. Even atheists understand that you can't blend these ideas together. It doesn't work if you destroy the history in Genesis. Yeah, in an atheism versus Christianity debate, one atheist said, Now that we know that Adam and Eve never were real people, the central myth of Christianity is destroyed. If there never was an Adam and Eve, there never was an original sin. Okay. If there never was an original sin, there is no need of salvation. Right. If there is no need of salvation, there is no need of a savior. Okay. And I submit that puts Jesus, historical or otherwise, into the ranks of the unemployed. I think that evolution is absolutely the death knell of Christianity. Wow. wow. There's an atheist who gets it. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't blend these ideas together as right. much as we want to do that because it's so tempting because the millions of years are everywhere. Yeah, right? exactly. It's so tempting. Like, they got to fit into the Bible somehow. And we'll, we'll add some more detail. Some of you maybe have questions, and we'll get to those next week. Yeah. You know, we receive a lot of feedback about lives changed uh, just for this TV show. 
And God has drawn people to himself through many other things as well. Of course. Uh, there yeah. are hundreds of books and videos available. There are more than 10,000 faith-building articles at creation.com. And of course, you can access those absolutely free. Uh, and then there's Creation Magazine, our flagship publication that has changed lives around the world for more than 40 years. Yeah, if you want to view a free sample copy of that, you go to creation.com slash freemag. Now, we'd love to hear from you. You can, you can go to the contact section on our website there. See you next week. And remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And science supports scripture. Creation Magazine Live is a production of Creation Ministries International, the publisher of Creation Magazine and the minds behind creation.com. If you want to chip in to support our ministry, go to creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.